This is from a recorded talk. So I've been chanting in praise of the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and uh, recollecting through Buddha, Nusati, Dhamma, Nusati, Sangha, Nusati. And now we're sitting in meditation together and taking up the breath, the in and the out breath as our object. And so this is Gaya, Nupasana, Satipatthana, recollecting the body as the foundation of mindfulness. And so these four foundations of mindfulness, um, there's the body, this is the first, and then there is Vedana, feelings, and there's the mind, and then Dhamma. And these are different objects that we can use, different bases for our mindfulness. But right now, we're sitting meditation, we're taking up the breath and using this as an object of recollection. And we can also count while we are breathing as well and counting in pairs. So on the in-breath, we count one, the out-breath one, the in-breath two, the out-breath two, and then do this up to five. And then when we reach the fifth pair, then we come back and count anew at one. In-breath one, out-breath one, and chant up to five, and then increase um, on the second round up to six. And then we come back again, start chanting from one, and increase that up to seven. And so carry on doing this until we reach ten. And we can see then if we've been counting correctly, but if we forget, then we start all over again, start the whole process again. Another method is to count very quickly along with the breath. So when we breathe in, we can count one, two, three, four, five, and then on the out breath, one, two, three, four, five. Uh, but we need to find what number fits us, what suits us well. Maybe five isn't enough, so we can count up to six, that's okay. Or maybe it could be seven or eight or nine or ten. Or whatever leaves us with a sense of ease, a sense of comfort, then we use that. And so we can use this counting as our main object of recollection. And we just carry on doing that until we feel like we don't want to do that anymore, that just staying with the breath is enough. And so we bring our mindfulness there to the breath. If we're sitting in a place with many people, it may be at home, it may be quite noisy, or even coming to the monastery with many people around us, when we come to meditate, then we bring up this feeling like we're sitting all by ourselves like we're off in a forest in some place very quiet and secluded and sitting all by ourselves. And you shouldn't let our minds get distracted or interested or um, kind of worried about things around us, but rather try to bring the mind, to bring our mindfulness back here and to resettle it within the body. And so when the mind is settled here, then there'll be a sense of seclusion. So for us, we're in this secluded place now, so that's Gaya, Viveka, this physical bodily seclusion. And even though there may be many people, we bring up this feeling like we're sitting just by ourselves. And for us, 
There are many people around us, but no one's talking, everyone's quiet. And so this too is Gaya Viveka, this physical seclusion. And so we come to know the breath, the in-breath, the out-breath, and bring our mindfulness to this object continuously until the mindfulness does become a constant stream, until the mind reaches into peace. And sometimes there'll be a feeling like we just don't want to focus on the breath anymore. Even that is too much. And so we can allow the mind to just be as it is, to just be in the still place, just follow its nature and for us to watch it as it's doing that. And then we know we have mindfulness that now there isn't awareness of the breath anymore. There's no mindfulness over the breath, that the mind is still. So we have the awareness there at that stillness. So this is samatha gamatana, these meditation objects that bring the mind into peace, the methods of developing this inner calm. And it's really important. So the samatha gamatana, it's also what we can call samadhi as well. And these bring us in the energy, which becomes the causes and conditions for the arising of wisdom. So when our minds have reached into peace already, and then we should use that to think and to contemplate within the sphere of this body. This body which the mind takes residence in, we see it as just being a collection of elements. These, the air, the water, the earth, the fire, these all come together, but they also change. So we should study and get to know clearly this body now, uh, before this change takes us to illness, before it, it really changes in a severe way. Because when that happens, if we've gained this clear knowledge, then we're able to bring that up and see that this change or illness or deterioration, these are just natural events for sankharas, for compounded phenomena. So the birth and the arising of a fully self-awakened Buddha is something which is really difficult. It's not easy at all. The time that it takes for someone to bring up that faith, uh, to have that firm determination to develop their barami to the point where they're able to be fully awakened or by themselves to become a Buddha, it takes an extremely long period of time. And so for our Buddha, before he received the prediction as a bodhisattva that he would become a Buddha, it was ten asankayas and a hundred thousand kalpas uh, of time that he was developing his barami as a bodhisattva before he received that prediction. And so these kalpas, these eons, are extremely long periods of time. And asankhyas, it's just impossible to fathom how long that is or to figure out how long it could be. And then after the Buddha or the Bodhisattva received that prediction, it was still another four asankhyas after that period before he became the fully awakened Buddha. And so this arising of a Buddha, 
is something extremely difficult. And then for the Buddha to arise and for him to teach the Dhamma, this is something very difficult for us to come about this opportunity. In us, we have been born humans, and we're humans both in our bodies and in our minds. And we see that there are many physical humans, but for someone to gain this inner humanity as well, like we have, this is very tough. We have taken on the precepts now, and so we can say that all of us have been born as humans in our minds as well. We have this complete humanity. And in this state, having this humanity in a, in a state of completion, it's very appropriate. It's an appropriate vessel to receive the Dhamma. So this is difficult. The arising of these things are very hard. Being born as a physical human is difficult. And being born as a mental human, an inner human, this is difficult as well. But for us, we have this opportunity already. So we should use that to study the Dhamma within our own hearts. And asking ourselves, what are our minds like? What are they doing? And what is a mind? We see that the mind, the jitta, it's not anything at all. It's one type of element which knows, which receives and cognizes, um, can take in these sense impressions from the world. But when these sense impressions arise, then the mind attaches to them. If it likes them, then it really clings on. If it dislikes them, it also clings on, all the same. And greed, hatred, and delusion are always manifesting constantly within the mind due to the attachments that it has towards these sense impressions. So these sense impressions, they are the sights that we see, and then the odors, the sounds, now the taste, the tactile sensations. And these enter in through the various sense organs that we have through our eyes, our ears, our nose, etc. So when this happens, we need to have mindfulness there, looking after our minds, following up on our minds, and knowing what these minds are like, what they're doing whether they are giving rise to different thoughts, what are they thinking about, and we should know that. And so we bring our mindfulness up here, knowing the mind as it is, so that wisdom can arise. Uh, Because if we just allow our minds to just do whatever they want, if we just leave them uh, to follow their own will or their own kind of uh, liking, uh, then this is a very dangerous situation. It's just like a child. We see that little children, babies, they don't know much. And so it's very dangerous um, if there's no one there to look after them. You may see some water and be interested in that water and then drown because it doesn't know that that water is dangerous. You may see some fire and get enticed by that. It doesn't see the danger in that fire. And if there's no one there to care for it, if there's no one to restrain it and hold it back, um, then it can get itself into all kinds of trouble. So it's the same with our minds. If they are lacking mindfulness, they don't have this mindfulness, they're looking after them or restraining them, 
then this can really bring up a lot of destruction in our minds. We can waste a lot of inner goodness. But the mind's always running after these sense impressions, always chasing after them. And there's no mindfulness there to pull it back, to rein it in. So we need to be mindful and aware here at our minds. What are they doing? What are they thinking about? What states are arising? Is there any greed? Is there hatred? Is there delusion? Or is, or is there an absence of these defilements? You see that sometimes the mind thinks good things, and sometimes it thinks bad things. Sometimes it feels at ease, and sometimes it's not at ease at all. So we see that all of this is something unsure. These are inconstant, they're unstable. It's anicca, dukkha, anatta. It's unstable, it's stressful, it's not self. So if the mind is in a good state, then we know that. If it's in a bad state, then we know that. We have mindfulness there, and we don't let it run after and follow after all its moods. And so this is really important uh, to bring this up, to have this mindfulness there, watching and looking after the mind. And just like how we would look after a child. We see that children, they can change really quickly. And sometimes they've got a lot of greed, sometimes a lot of hatred, sometimes delusion. Or at other times there's an absence of these qualities. Maybe they see a toy that they really want, but that toy belongs to someone else. And so they start crying. They're really upset because they can't get that thing that they want. But then perhaps their mother or father comes along and tells them, well, don't be upset, you know, just in a little bit of time I'll get that toy for you. Then immediately the child stops crying, and then it forgets about the whole situation. And so its moods flip over really quickly. Um, it can go from, being, from crying to being happy very quickly. And this greed, hatred and delusion arises and ceases with great speed. And so um, we see that all of these states, they come and they go very fast. So we must have awareness there, um, looking after them. So this is what it's like for a child. And then when that child grows up, then these defilements get even stronger. And they're able to gain even more control over the mind. And so we need to bring the mind back to its original state, to a state of purity, a state of peace, a state of brightness. And we need to pull it back and uh, get it to this point. And we do this through knowledge, through developing mindfulness and through bringing up wisdom. And so that we know all things as they're happening, as they're arising, we're wise to them. We need to try to train the mind in this way. Because if we don't train our minds, then they'll always be running after these sense impressions. They'll always be flowing into these sense impressions constantly. But we see that a well-trained mind brings happiness. So for us, we've been born into this world, and we've gained a human body, a human life. And already this is a great merit for us. And even more than this, we have faith in the Buddha, the Dhamma, the Sangha, and we practice following those teachings. And so this is 
inner humanity arising for us as well, that our minds have been born as human. And we have the merit that we create through goodness, the merit that we create through developing samadhi. Now this is an even higher level of merit. We also need wisdom to look after this merit as well. We may be able to bring our minds to a state where they feel really at ease, but we also need to look after that inner ease as well. To not allow that to be destroyed. Because we see that when these sense impressions arise, then the greed, hatred and delusion comes up as well. So we need to be able to pull our minds out of those states. We tell ourselves that we're just not interested in them. We don't want them. We're not interested. And then we just come back and um, look at our breath and bringing the mind to peace once again. And so we look after this mind, we follow up on it and seeing what it's like, see that the mind is just a mind. But if we attach to it as being a self, as being me, then if the mind's in a good state, then I am good. And then we'll go and compare ourselves to others. We'll think that I'm better than they are. But when the mind isn't good, uh, then we'll think I am worse than they are. So we see that attaching to the mind brings up conceit in this way. So if the mind is good, then we just allow it to be that way. If it's not good, then we just let that go. We put it down. And through this, then, suffering doesn't arise. We see that the mind is just a mind. And this is a method for us to not experience suffering. But if goodness comes up and we attach to that, that very goodness then becomes a cause of suffering. So we need to follow up on that and see that it's just the nature of things to be this way, and then we put them down. The mind is just a mind, and if we see that, then no suffering arises. So we gain this knowledge, and um, we use that to take care of our minds so that they don't experience any dukkha. In doing this, this is jitta, nupasana, satipatthana, taking the mind as the basis of mindfulness. So we can also use this body, recollecting the body, and contemplating, seeing it as being a collection of elements. And this too is gaya, nupasana, satipatthana. See that the mind is something unstable and constant. See how it's something that's painful, a source of stress, a source of dukkha, and it's something that's not self, it's anatta. When feelings arise, then we know those feelings. And uh, this is being mindful of feelings. And then we contemplate them so the wisdom can arise. So we see the Vedana is just Vedana. The mind is just the mind. Now all of these things that arise and cease, they're all Dhamma. And then we experience everything in our lives as being Dhamma. If someone shouts at us, if they scold us, then we see that Dhamma has arisen. Uh, that these people who have a lot of greed, hatred, and delusion within them, that they're like this. But we can also see that as not-self. We see it as just being Dhamma. A Dhamma, a phenomena that's arisen, that stays for a bit and then ceases. But we can't find any self within that. 
So we need to try and find the opportunity uh, to bring our minds to peace. And even when we're staying at home, we need to try and make the home into a monastery. And we can do that for maybe one hour a day or two hours a day to make our houses into a temple and use this opportunity to develop our minds, uh, to make them higher, to make them better. We see that in the world we've developed things materially to a very high degree already. But that physical development has just brought even more chaos. It's brought even more damage that we're harming this world because of the material development. And that's because the people in the world nowadays, they have less patience, less endurance than they did before. They want everything easy. They just want to experience quick happiness. And so through this, uh, the people of this world are harming the world. And they're taking the path of karma sukhali kana yoga, of uh, seeking out pleasure through the senses. And they don't want any suffering, want to find just happiness. But through this path, there's never any peace. Through doing this, the world is getting hotter than it was before. You know, we're going through global warming, and the weather's changing. So sometimes it's, we experience this extreme heat, sometimes extreme cold, and things are getting out of balance. So we need to come to develop our minds. And this is something that's even more important. You see how the world has taken this path of materialism. But what we need now is kind of mindism, is spiritualism. And taking up the mind as being the most important thing. And so we should really raise up our minds. We should praise the mind. And also find praise or to praise those people who develop goodness, who are generous, who are moral, who meditate. So these are the means of us developing and gaining Dhamma within our hearts. And this is something that is really important. So for all of us, we have been born as humans and we have this great opportunity now. And so may all of you use this well. May all of you develop in happiness. May you prosper in your occupations. May you have strong physical health. May you have long life, uh, happiness, beauty, and strength. <laughs>